When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hey, good run of Texas, uh, Oklahoma State talk. Last hour, Quan Cosby behind the burn orange curtain. Also at half the turn, haven't talked much Cowboys in a bit. We'll get back at the bottom of the hour to the Cowboys chatter. Cowboys with a big win last night, 41-35. Dak Prescott playing to an MVP level, uh, without a doubt. And as you said to me, Nick, uh, Jake Ferguson quickly become one of your favorite Cowboys Man, he was up in Jamal Adams' face. I saw him. I saw. Well, he was up in in Quandre's face too, Diggs, which 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 I have mixed feelings about because I love Quandre. But uh, man, Ferguson's a he's a dog. I like him. I like him too. Yeah. Uh, and Ty liked him. Ty was on him as a, and you, yeah. Ty's Ty, been on that wagon early. Well, Ty, you said you heard Travis Kelsey, who there was like a tight end camp of some kind where Kelsey came out singing the praises of Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin of what kind of. You know, player he thought he was going to be. So, so props to you, Ty. And but you are you are a tepid Cowboy fan right now. You're not coming all in. You said you were watching this game like seventy percent last night because you're not you're you're not willing to get too emotionally attached. You don't want to get your heart broken. Yeah, I was splitting time between that game and Shark Tank. If that tells you anything. So. <laughs> Shark Tank was Cuban on it. Was Cuban still on it? Your yeah. owner? Yeah, it was some replays. It was pre-COVID right. replays. Oh my goodness! Hey, uh, text coming in on the message line. We appreciate that. Of, cor- uh, of course, always your contributions at four four seven three seven seven six. Says holy blank e. I grew up in Prestonwood. Grew up in Northwest Houston. Always went to Prestonwood in December. You know, my mother texted me to let me know that Night of Lights, Nick, is December eighth. That's when the lights go on. And then every night through Christmas, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cars every single night. Because like like he said, if you grow up in, anywhere in Northwest Houston, you're gonna at some point with your family and your kids, you're gonna come. Because, I mean, kids love it. I mean, a lot of them, we do the nativity scene at our, my, my parents' house, but then there's, you know, cartoons, and it's always the, the latest big, you know, movies and, you know, whatever it might be. And um, so kids love it, and it's just, and it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. So you, I was always the guy going, why don't we charge like a dollar a car? Bill should. I know. Skip paying HOAs fee, HOA <laughs> yes. fees and then do that. I like. I think that's a great well, idea. Well, there were a couple of years where my, my, my buddies and I would sell like bottled waters and stuff. Like we'd go out there with a cooler and just because people are they're, they're, it takes a while to get through all of it. I mean, you're driving uh, and there's a lot of traffic. Okay, so that's going on. We've also got this is after reading the Florida State message board. Sounds like he uh, the Rodemaker might be practicing but not cleared for contact yet. Feels like they may play him even if he's not 100. percent He might be seeing ghosts out there. Uh, we'll see. I mean, look, if you, if you can't clear the protocol, you can't play. I mean, if you don't think that last year Oklahoma wanted to put Dylan Gabriel in the game against Texas at the Cotton Bowl uh, because they got lost 49 to nothing and their backup quarterback situation was awful last year, um, that they would. But if the, if the independent neurologist says no, and, and look, I know, look, I'm not foolish. It's a big game for Florida State. But we'll keep an eye on the Tate-Rodemaker situation. I will also say uh, keep this in mind couple things. Uh, I will be headed up to Dallas after this show to be uh, broadcasting live this afternoon with our guys from inside Texas and Patrick Davis from Terry Black's Barbecue on South Main Street. 
some of the best barbecue you'll ever eat in your life. But right there in Deep Ellum, we'll be there 4 to 7 this afternoon. So come on out and see us. And then tomorrow morning, I'll be at Jay Gilligan's from 8 to 11 in downtown Arlington. Uh, so come on out there. They have that shuttle service to and from the stadium. So get all the details at Jay Gilligan's website as well. Uh, but right now, let's go to the Vaqueros hotline. He is a former Oklahoma State Cowboy, who always has great thoughts on uh, the Big 12 football situation, and uh, the Longhorns, and the Cowboys. He's our friend Sam May. Sam, how you doing, my friend? Not bad at all. Thank you guys so much for having me today. Appreciate you doing this. And uh, how are things with you, my friend? Are you, how, let me say it this way. How, how surprised are you that this Oklahoma State team, your alma mater, is playing for a championship tomorrow based on what you saw early in the season? Yeah, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. like... <laughs> 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 I watched the first four games of the season, and I'm like, this is some hot garbage football. The offensive line couldn't block anybody. You know, they had a three-quarterback system. Bowman probably the best option of the three just because he's got the moxie to throw the ball down the field, but that's the only thing that separated him apart from the other two. And, you know, they have the worst loss in 20 years at home to a South Alabama team that took the field with confidence and then just beat their butts up and down it. You hit the road, you go to Iowa State, you lose that game. And I'm looking at the schedule like, where's the next win going to come? Well, then Mike Gunning has a bye week, and we all know he's good out of bye weeks. And next thing you know, he simplifies the offense. The offensive line engages more because they've got less run-pass option, which I'll tell you right now is a old-school 60-40 run guard from Youngstown, Ohio. I hate the RPL. I think it just, it just undercuts your offensive line and making them just have to be – careful right during run blocking which that's the most reckless time of an offensive lineman's day is when you get to run the football and and so i think the fact he got rid of a bunch of that really kind of helped that group out and then you know ollie gordon turns into a superstar right in front of our eyes it's been a crazy season you know i i don't uh i've been just irritated and upset for you know essentially uh let's think six of the last eight quarters that they've played um, against just hot garbage teams in Houston and BYU, and they've just looked terrible, but they found a way to win those games too. And I mean, it's just been an odd, odd season for Oklahoma State. It certainly has. Sam Mays is with us, as you heard, a former offensive lineman there out of Youngstown, Ohio. First eight years of my life in Akron there, uh, Sam. So we weren't far apart growing up, it sounds like. But a uh, uh, great description of this team and where they are. Um, but, you know, you talked about the changes they made in the bye week. They settled on Alan Bowman. They, you know, Ollie Gordon had only had 19 carries the first three games, and all of a sudden he becomes maybe the Doak Walker winner and uh, Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. What do you see from the scheme change? They went for away from the RPO to more of a you know, kind of a, a more of a power run game. What, what are they doing on the offensive line now differently since they since they came out of the bye week? Yeah, no, they're just it's just traditional you know power football. It's it's good zone schemes. It's getting up to the field and you know when you got a back like Ollie Gordon, you know you go from like I I blocked for three incredible backs at Oklahoma State. All three were very very different from each other. Tatum Bell was different from. You know, Seymour Shaw, who was definitely more of a power back. And when Tatum was in the game, I knew that when I got up to the second level, I had to cover that linebacker up completely because Tatum was a little light and he was more his success was predicated more in speed. And if a linebacker got a hand on his shoulder or around his hip, he was going to fall, right? He was going to go down to that. Seymour would get in the game and I knew, okay, cool. I can spend way more time here on this three technique in this double team get up and chip a linebacker or get a hand on a linebacker and see more have the body to push through those things, right? So when you take an average offensive line, which Oklahoma State's line is very average, and you put a 225-pound just workhorse behind them, 
you know, now they're getting up to the second level and they're just doing everything in their power to just get in front of these guys. They're not even, they're setting screens at the second level in Oklahoma State. I wouldn't even call it good run block technique, but Ollie Gordon is such a freak of an athlete. And he's got that little dead leg step in the background in the backfield that gives him the patience and ability to see it unfold in front of him. And then for some reason, that big monster of a back is at full speed in about three steps. Right, that's what makes him special. Is when he hits the hole, he is running like that dude is running. If you look at, uh, you know, like a, a Henry for the the Titans, that you know he lines up nine yards deep in the backfield so he can get ahead of steam before he hits the line of scrimmage. Ollie Gordon doesn't need to do that. He is legitimately at full speed after the first four or five steps he takes after the handoff, which is just a huge weapon and allows that offensive line to not be great and then still have a ton of success. So you take away all that BS, you know, RPO stuff, you put them in traditional run schemes, traditional traditional gap schemes, you get a little pulling in there every once in a while, and then offensive line all of a sudden looks like the heroes of the season. But a lot of it is just gaining confidence from, you know, you've got the best back in college football behind you, and he's just doing a ton of work every time he, hands up, he gets the ball handed off to him. Uh, he is Sam Mays, the former All-American offensive lineman at Oklahoma State, and he's got a new project I want you to tell our audience about here coming up. But let me ask you about the matchup with Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and these dudes. I mean, we've watched it here in Austin all year. Uh, Bo Davis has done a hell of a job with this defensive line, and um, I mean, they're a handful for anybody. I mean, they, they did a great job against all the way back to Alabama, uh, K-State. They throttled that run game. Iowa State, uh, what, 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 uh, what's your forecast for what can happen tomorrow you know, for, for the, in this matchup against Texas? Let me say this, you know, I'm, I'm part of that Oklahoma State uh, group from 2000 to 2005 that never, Texas is the only team that we didn't beat, right? So I've got PTSD from playing Texas back then. And I'm, and I'm talking, I played against some all-time greats, right? Marcus Tubbs and that group. Jonathan Crowder was an 18-year-old snot-nosed kid that was six foot five, 280 pounds and was running like a 4'6", for these Texas teams. So I'll tell you right now, when I go to my first Red River game to cover OU Texas in like 2013, and here comes the Texas Longhorns out of the tunnel looking like some big dogs. I was like, what happened to Texas football? Where did, where did the, the gridiron greats that I played against go? Where did these monsters of men that I played against go? They just weren't there, and they weren't there for a long time. So when I look at the Longhorns this year take the field, I'm like, yeah, that, it's about time. It's about time that Texas looks like Texas, and they play like Texas. Those dudes down on the defensive line are legitimate stars. Physical, nasty, grind it out, beat you up, four quarters of just physical football for the Texas Longhorns. And it's, and it's been forever since I looked at that team. Like, I wish I could have played against the Texas teams of the last 10 years. Put me on the field with those dudes. It would have been a whole different conversation. Instead, I get a bunch of dudes that are drinking diesel at halftime of games. Right? I was legitimately mad <laughs> the last 10 years of Texas football. But, yeah, this group you guys got this year, they look to be the part. You know, and, you know, with the SEC calling, that's been the biggest. I cannot stress enough to OU fans up here in Oklahoma. You know, the focus of the season has got to be what's next, right? What's coming? Good for you. Great Big 12 season. For Texas, you're playing a championship game, but every single snap they take from here on out needs to be focused on getting SEC ready. And I feel like the Longhorns, from an infrastructure standpoint, size, physical ability, toughness, they're looking more like an SEC team than they have in the last decade. So good for those guys. Good for your program. You know, Sark is – I was a little nervous about Sark when he got off the plane. You know, Texas is a little bit different. You know, I always thought that 
you know, the thing that was going to save Texas football was a Joey McGuire type figure, somebody that lived it, breathed it, smelled it, tasted it, just died, just loved Texas football. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like a Friday night in the state of Texas. And I, I feel like that Longhorn program at this point is embodying that mentality again. Texas football looks like it's representing the state for the first time in a long time. So I'm, I'm pretty impressed with Longhorns. Sam, that's that's great. You you kind of alluded to it. I think you said it earlier. You said uh, you know Mike, Mike Gundy's dangerous coming off a of bye week, and, and I, I've I've said it. I, I think he's the best coach in the Big Twelve. I think he's so crafty. I think he does so much and figures out ways to really mess with what you do. And I, I, I in my opinion, he's kind of the the X factor in this game that that really scares the Texas fans. Like what to you? What is it that that makes Gundy so different, so great? And I can't even tell you, to be completely honest, like, I think that I'm, it's the, it's the, I just really can't, you know, I'm, I'll be completely, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. Like, I don't, you know, I'm frustrated that they lost the first two games this year. They should be talking about the New York six game and still water, but somehow, some way like share, he comes back from the dead every single time he gets himself in a bind, you know, it's, it's, it's odd, you know, how successful he is. And I think a lot of it is just what's happening in that film room. You know, the way he's processing information, taking into practice, making those adjustments. You know, I wouldn't – I think the the advantage in this game to me goes to Sark 100% as far as in-game coaches. And you saw it when he took the field against Venables. Like, Sark's going – Sark's going to play the game. He's in the seat with his players. You know what I mean? Like, he's in the car with them when they take the field. and You can feel it. He is coaching that game live. I look at Coach Gundy on the sidelines during games, and I'm like, man, I, I don't know that he is – feeling that energy or in that moment with these kids as much as maybe he he should be but not every coach is perfect you know like i would say that the advantage you know as far as preparation for this game probably goes to mike gun but i would think the advantage in the moment in the game probably goes to sorry yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that that's fair. But I think that's what makes Gundy so great is maybe he's sitting there processing, <laughs> thinking through, as opposed to like actually coaching in the game. And then that's when he can right. make his adjustments. Yeah, that's that's a good yeah, conversation. Like you saw, I mean, think about think about 2008, you know, 2008, 2009, Gundy was getting ridiculed because he was calling plays offensively and he'd have his back turned to the field <laughs> yep, when the was yep. out there, you know. Yeah, like that's just who he is. I think he's a, he's an analytical guy. I think he's got a great offensive mind and yeah, I think he'll have something lined up for, for Texas. And the reality of it, I mean, let, let's talk about the game in itself. You know, for Oklahoma State, to, like Texas, Ollie Gordon is probably the best player in the field. I think we all probably can agree to that. Uh, I think that Texas probably has the next 10 best players. So the advantage goes to the Longhorns, and they should win this game. But for Oklahoma State to make it a game or to find themselves in the fourth quarter with an opportunity, which is where Texas does not want to be. Texas does not want to be in the fourth quarter with Oklahoma State down by seven. Oklahoma State down by 10. That's not a good place for Texas because all Oklahoma State is going to do at that point is get stronger and get more physical because they've just been leaning on you for three quarters leading up to it. But I think if Gundy's going to have success here, it's, it comes down to Bowman, and it comes down to him being able to throw the ball you know, 15 to 17 times in the first half of the game and really being the focal point of what success Oklahoma State's offense is having. If they can get the ball out quickly – I'm talking little five-yard, eight-yard routes. Nothing crazy. Nothing, you know, down the field. You don't want to throw it. Texas' defensive backfield, I think, has gotten better over the last couple of years. And those kids are opportunistic. Like, he doesn't have to test them deep, but he's got to throw it. He's got to throw it. And that's how they beat OU, right? He went out there and threw the ball like 10 times in the first quarter. And I was like, what the hell is this? 
I can't believe they're doing this, but that's the way that they had success. It backed Oklahoma's defensive line, our defensive linebackers up a little bit, you know, backed them up off the line of scrimmage a little bit. Now they're at six, seven yards deep because he's throwing the ball in the middle, and then they loosen up that defensive front. The next thing you know, using a four-quarter matchup with Oklahoma State to find a way to win in the fourth quarter. Like, Texas doesn't want to be there, so... I think as long as, you know, as long as Bowman is out there throwing the ball successfully and not turning it over, Oklahoma State might have an opportunity to shock a lot of people. But, you know, if I'm, if, you know, if I'm betting on this game, I'm definitely taking the long ones. He is Sam Mays, uh, former All-American lineman at Oklahoma State back in the early 2000s. And uh, so let me ask you about the defense for Oak State. I mean, uh, Sark praised the linebackers, thinks they're among the best that they played this year at the linebacker spot. Uh, they play that three-high defense that, uh, that you know, sometimes can give Quinn Ewers some trouble. How do you see the matchup there, Texas offense with, with all the weaponry and Quinn Ewers versus that Oak State defense? I think the scheme is trash defensively. I think they don't have the horses to run it. I think that, the, especially up front of the defensive line, you know, you're talking about a three-man front that you're you're just you don't have a nose guard that's capable of controlling a center in both guards. You don't have a couple of defensive ends that are six seven and you know 290 pounds. But what you do have is I think elite level talent at that linebacker spot. Maybe not physically, but mentally, those kids play right. They get it. They understand it. So I think the linebackers and the safety, the core, the middle of the Oklahoma State defense is what's make it, making them have the success that they've had this year. And so you get linemen up on those guys and you force them, right, you're getting physical with them at the second level, you'll find a way to run the ball successfully. But I think it's it's really just been excellent play from guys like Nick Martin that have saved the Oklahoma State defense. Like you're looking at it from a yardage standpoint, I mean, heck, oh, you had almost 500 yards of offense and they had the ball for an entire less quarter than Oklahoma State did. Like, they're giving up yards. It just comes down to those big moments, right? It's third down. It's third and uh, it's third and four. And somehow Oklahoma State finds a way to get a tackle for loss. Like, they've been the most opportunistic, well-timed defense uh, in the Big 12 this year. And, like, I'm watching the games going, here we go. There's no way they're going to get a stop here. And sure enough, they find a way to do it. They play a lot of football inside the 20s, right? They lock you down in the red zone a little bit. They've got some size there in the secondary. Those guys will go pick off the ball when they have an opportunity to do it. If Quinn floats one, they'll go get it. Right? The Cowboys will go get it. And so, and they kind of play free and clear. Like, I think if there's one good thing about this scheme, it allows the players to just go play. I don't think it's complicated by any means, which is probably why they've had the success that they've had this year in those moments. Because they're, they're, not, they're not confused at what they should be doing. I just don't think they have the – it needs to be a four-man front still. They just don't have the ability to run – a three-man front. It takes special players. You got to have a dude like Sweat in the middle, you know, these days to run a successful three-man front. Well, how many of those dudes come into high school every year? Five, maybe, <laughs> and four of them are playing in the SEC. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just uh, they just don't have that ability to do that. So if, if Texas's offensive line, which I think is very talented, can get up to that second level and get on those linebackers from Oklahoma State, they'll have success. Always good stuff, Sam Mays. Uh, tell us about this new uh, new venture you've got going. The at your your content creator at Sellout Crowd. Um, you know, doing you doing great work, podcasting and such. Uh, what, what's your new venture that's uh, that, that's taking taking your attention? Yeah, Sellout Crowd is cool, man. It's a you know it's a podcast network here in, in Oklahoma City. There's some tremendous talent uh, that have signed up with it. Some longtime journalists here in the Big Twelve, Danny Carlson and Barry Trammell. Some old radio guys that are involved, Todd Bisnaby, myself, and you know we've got a slew of writers from the Tulsa World, and you know some of these guys that have covered the Thunder for years that are all part of this network where we podcast and they write a bunch of articles 
uh, every single week. You just go to selloutcrowd.com. You can check it out. If you just want my content specifically, you can actually choose that option. Uh, I do some YouTube stuff, but you know, I'm only doing like two or three pods a week. I'll do post game stuff uh, after each game. This, I didn't, I didn't quit my full time gig for this quite yet. Uh, but uh, yeah, I enjoy it, man. Gets me back in the media. Get to talk to you guys again. I was pumped to see that message on Twitter. Feel free to call me anytime. I love doing this show with you guys. And yeah, it's it's you know you gotta love college football. So I'm I'm kind of back in the game, and it feels good. Yeah, and uh, normally I do the show with Rod Babers, and you guys, uh, you know, Rod was on the, the Texas teams when you were playing at Oak State, and he's out uh, not feeling well this morning, but uh, uh, we'll get that back together too when we get closer. Uh, but, man, I appreciate this, Sam. That's good stuff right there. Let's, uh, let's keep it going. And are you going to the game in Arlington, or are you just going to be watching? Oh, are you kidding me? I can't be out in public to watch this game. i got to stay at the house. My <laughs> wife will be pacifying me with all kinds of food while I'm sitting there watching. All right, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Sam Mays. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Sam. Have a good one, guys. All right, Sam Mays, that's why we always go to Sam when it's time to talk some Oak State football. There you go. You know the team. Their scheme is trash, but they play hard and <laughs> let play loose, and the linebackers are good. Don't have the horses up front. The offense is trash, but Ollie Gordon's really good. Like the off- I mean, he just gives you the straight scoop. I mean, he talks like, an, like a former player. It's funny, it? it's funny to look at it from our perspective where, like, Gundy's a genius, and he's just like, man, I can't, I can't watch at points. <laughs> well, he just finds ways. And I think, I think he, you know, Gundy is just such a unique character. He he is even for yeah. fans of Oak State. I mean, T-Boo, he used to drive T Boone Pickens crazy. He's kind, he's kind of a Mike Leach. I, yes. Like he really is. He's the rock in the water, and I think that's why I like him so much. But Sam's great. You know what it reminds me of? You two, you and Ty with Dak Prescott. Like <laughs> you guys are almost rooting for him to fail so they can move on to a new quarterback. Yet he's playing great, and you're like, well, he's not. You know, he's, he's going to let me down. No, but Sam Mays is great. That's at. Uh, you can follow Sam on Twitter or find his content. That is at. Um, now, website again, which it sounds pretty cool, is called selloutcrowd.com. That's if you're looking for Oklahoma sports-based conversation, uh, that's where that's at, selloutcrowd or at selloutcrowd on Twitter uh, or on X. We'll come back. When we do, we'll pick up these conversations. We'll talk Cowboys and their uh, 41-35 win over the Seahawks last night. Uh, we'll get some who said that for the end of the hour. Uh, talk to Quan Cosby from the Texas side. We talked to Sam Mays from the Oak State side. What say you? It's a Big 12 championship game Friday edition of Hook'em Up. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, I look forward to Rod Babers returning on Monday. And since the last check we got from him that uh, we told you was running a fever on Monday after our show. Did test positive for COVID and then uh, retested here late in the week and still uh, testing positive, but says he's feeling a lot better. Uh, so we'll, we'll root for Rod. Unfortunately, he's not here to help preview this game. And uh, good stuff from Sam Mays, though. And as I mentioned, when, when Rod was playing at the 40 Acres, that's when Sam was playing at Oklahoma State, 2004. You know, Rod was done by, what, 02, I believe. Uh, 03, I have to look into Rod's uh, bio, but that's about right. Uh, but either way, they, they cross some paths, and they're always uh, fun together. Uh, but we got Cowboys. We also have this. i got to remember, remind you, I said it early. If you are a, uh, a Texas football fan uh, and you have DirecTV or UVerse, 
you need to know that uh, you don't have ABC right now. Uh, I, I have DirecTV. Now, fortunately, I have YouTube, so I probably if I were here, I'd be able to watch it. But um, you do not have your ABC channel right now. So if you're you know watching The Golden Bachelor last night, the <laughs> final episode, and you're thinking, oh, I got ABC. You're gonna, uh, my point of this is it, don't wake up tomorrow at 11 not having watched much TV and then realize, oh, my gosh, I can't watch this game because the Longhorn game with Oklahoma State is on ABC tomorrow. But if you have an antenna, that still works, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I still or, got the backup antenna. Or so. make a plan. Um, yeah. Because that's, I mean, I can just imagine people, because it's an 11 o'clock game, right? And so today's Friday, you're busy, maybe go out to dinner tonight, you come home, go to bed, you wake up, and you're tailgating, you look up, and you don't have Channel 24. Where, you know, if you're, you know, if you're DirecTV like me, that's what it is, and it's KV24. It's uh, one of those disputes that started here in the month of December, which day one is today. And um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's an issue. Keep, keep that in mind. Uh, I'm going to have to... You know, let the folks here in my house know that. <laughs> They're trying to watch the game tomorrow. have to find a different way. So uh, just as, as a forewarning and a public service announcement, keep that in mind. The game is on ABC tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Uh, the game tonight is the big uh, Pac-12 championship game. The game last night was the Cowboys. And uh, this was a weird game. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to put the right adjective on it. It was, and it was entertaining. It was uh, back and forth, it, but it was frustrating at the same time because the the penalties, and it just felt like there was a penalty on every play uh, for a long stretch of the game. They ended up, the Cowboys win 41-35. There were 19 total penalties. There were zero total punts. I'm going to assume, you know, that's never happened before. I mean, to have, to have 19 different you know penalties over 254 total penalty yards in the game, zero punts. Uh, it was a weird football game. Uh, you know, the, the Seahawks, DK Metcalf was just torching Deron Bland. Like we saw Deron Bland set the record on Thanksgiving for pick sixes. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the any NFC's defensive player of the month for the month of November. And DK Metcalf was just destroying the guy. He had over 100 yards receiving in the first half, or the first quarter, first quarter. Uh, and, you know, it was then the Cowboys right before the half don't score on a fourth down. And, um, you know, that Mike McCarthy didn't take a field goal, didn't take points. And, you know, before the half, see that Seahawks went down the field and scored, and then they came out to start the second half, went down and scored. And all of a sudden it was 28-20, and the Cowboys were, were you know, trailing this football game, um, thinking, oh, my gosh, they're going to lose this game. Because, uh, you know, Ty was going in there worrying if they are going to cover the nine points, <laughs> and you're thinking, they're going to lose. Uh, but that's, you know, when the Cowboys really made their, their push. And uh, I thought Dak Prescott was really good in that second half. Um, they got Tony Pollard going a little bit, and the defense got better. Deron Bland had an interception late in the third quarter when they tried to attack him again. They actually flipped Stephon Gilmore over to DK Metcalf for a little bit just for a bigger body and you know, just bring the crafty veteran over there to, to kind of change the look. And Deron Bland gets a pick when they're trying to throw it to Tyler Lockett, and um, that, that helped. And then the Cowboys got three successive fourth down stops of the Seahawks to preserve the game. I mean, the Seahawks still had the ball down six with a chance to go win the ballgame. Yeah, we we haven't talked about it. They're they're showing it right now. It's like that that third down call by McCarthy with 152 left, like third and three. Instead of just, I mean, look, I know you can't run the ball that well, but just throwing a fade is the most like, like cop out play call in my opinion. Like it's it's just kind of a 50 50 throw it up, see what happens. And I, and I get it, CD's the best player on the field at that point, but you need that clock to run. You could have run that down to a minute you're, and then kicked that field goal. You're up by six with a minute left as opposed to giving them 152. And, you know, the Seahawks actually had it moving pretty quickly and then kind of fizzled and then 
Yeah, that was – Forgot to block Mike on fourth down. That's, yeah. a, that's an issue. Yeah, and, that, and if you're a Seahawks fan, which I know a lot of your family are, I mean, the play calls they had on some of those fourth down, fourth down plays that the Cowboys stopped – I mean, they're bad calls. I mean, it was that, that was the other part. It was like weird coaching. Mike McCarthy, you know, not not taking a field goal and not uh, you, know, you know running running a fade route to C.D. Lamb. Uh, so yeah, it was it was it was an odd game that way. That it was entertaining. They scored you know, nine touchdowns. Were scored in the football game, uh, but some weird coaching decisions. Penalties were a big problem. Uh, but it was you know it was for a Thursday night game, which a lot of times trash. I mean, it was a it was an entertaining football game. That was a winner. My uh, my friend, my good friend, who's a huge Seahawks fan, texted me. The only thing we have going for us is this year is our uniforms. <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> those, the old school. those throwback, the Steve Largent uniform. Yes. I'm like, oh come Jim on, Jim Zorn. Yep, those are that that uniform is is one of the most classic NFL uniforms. I'm I would a fan. put that up there with the you know the. The what do you call it? That I don't know what that color is. The Buccaneers used to wear and the pewter. Yeah, the old. Oh, so that was the clockwork orange. Yeah, and the old school uh, Patriots unis. Like there's there's some good ones out there. The the that Seahawks one though that might be my favorite. That logo is one of the best logos ever. Well, and as we said to start, I mean there there were just wild things. There were no punts. It was the sixth game in NFL history with zero punts. I guess this is coincidence, but probably not. Of the six times in NFL history a game had featured zero punts, Mike McCarthy has coached in three of them. That's crazy. <laughs> Three of them involved Mike McCarthy, including two when he was with the Packers in 2014. Uh, the Seahawks are the first team in NFL history to lose a game with 35-plus points and zero punts. That, it is crazy. That's this, never happened. This is the opposite of an Iowa game. Teams had been 64-0 <laughs> when scoring 35 points and not punting. I mean, it makes sense. If you don't punt, you should be just destroying somebody. But I guess it but depends three, on your third, defense. Da- third, three fourth down stops of your own, right, where you don't convert. Uh, Dak Prescott had twenty has 20 touchdowns and two interceptions now in his last six games, including three last night. As we said, he's one of nine players in NFL history with a span of 20 touchdowns and just two or fewer picks in a six-game span in a season. Six of the previous eight won the MVP that season. That would be Aaron Rodgers three times, Lamar Jackson 15, Russell Wilson, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. I don't know why this is because Russell Wilson did not win. I guess Russell Wilson did it in 2015, but he didn't win the MVP that year, did he? I'll look that up. No more cup. Uh, how about this? Cowboys are in their fifth win of the season versus a team 500 or better. Their first win of the year. The first thing they yeah. played, that a winning record. So the Cowboys have had a historically easy stretch for the previous 11. We told you 25 and 52, they're – combined wins. CeeDee Lamb is a monster. He, he's incredible. Rod Babers has been documenting this as the year has gone on, and he was you know, urging the Cowboys early, why are you not weaponizing CeeDee Lamb? I remember when CeeDee Lamb, when the Cowboys were after the Arizona game and they're kind of scuffling offensively, you know, we played the sound here on the show where when CeeDee Lamb was asked, what's the identity of your offense? And he was perplexed. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what it is. Well, guess what it's become? It's become CeeDee Lamb. Uh, CD is now the eighth career game with 10 catches plus 100 yards receiving. He goes past Michael Irvin, the playmaker, for the most in Cowboys history there. Uh, I mentioned the 257 penalty yards. That's the most in a game since 2021. Featured the most first-half penalty yards since 1991. Had 180 penalty yards in the first half. Craziness. Cowboys have now scored 40 or more at home for four straight home games. Only three other teams have ever done that, Nick. NFL, in, in the history of the NFL, only three other teams have scored 40 or more in four straight home games. 2013 Bengals. Who is their quarterback? 2013, 2013 Bengals. 2013 Bengals. It's not Dalton. Uh, that would have been Andy Dalton. Was it? The 2013, was that too early for him? No, I'll that's look, right. That's, that's probably right. Uh, and the 20, 20, 2000 Rams, and that makes them, that's the greatest show on turf. right? That's the Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, 
Kurt Warner yeah, Rams. That makes sense. And then the 1952 Detroit Lions did that. Oh, I was going to say like <laughs> Bills or Oilers or something. <laughs> yeah, no, 2013 Bengals, and now the Cowboys, 40, 40 plus in, and again the bad competition they've been playing, and um, so and for for Pete Carroll, the Seahawks 35 points were the most in the loss in the Pete Carroll era. They had been 36 and 0 when scoring 35 or more points. Thank you very much. And here comes here comes our question. Dak Prescott, can he win the can he win the MVP? I mean, I, it's one of those things. Like, does it, you want him? To, you'd much rather him win a playoff game in the divisional round and get to the NFC Championship game than win the MVP, correct? Yeah, I could care less about the MVP. <laughs> yes, I mean, it, it does nothing for me. <laughs> Ty, I don't know. Does that do anything for you unless you're betting on it? <laughs> oh, oh we lost. Sorry, lost sorry, I was, I was talking. So, what, what was the question? Oh, you're good, man. Does does Dak winning the MVP do do anything for you versus? Uh, Versus uh, winning a playoff game, or do you have any any money lines on Dak winning an MVP? <laughs> I would rather, I would prefer him not to win the MVP at this point. <laughs> Fair. Well, I mean, contractual he... obligations that would come. Ah, uh, that that makes sense. That checks out. Yeah, you you guys are. This is what this is like. Mike Gundy with I, the I, Oklahoma State fans. I love fans. Dak. I don't. I don't think we. I, I mean, who's our who's our other option, right? Like this is. I, well, I was the problem a Romo is fan if you're too. not a, if you're not a Dak fan like Ty, if he. Because you can't be looking for another option if he's winning MVPs, and but the problem is he could win an MVP and then lose in the divisional round again, and you're right back where you were. Yeah, and <laughs> I think that's that's the uh, and as you said, you have the 23rd or 24th pick in the first round, and you you continue to be very good because remember they won 13 games and 12 games, you know, 25 games the last two years. This team's going to win 12 or 13 games. He's not he's not the issue. That's not what's holding. I don't think he's what's holding. I disagree. Well, I, in January, I disagree. Uh, yeah, that's fair. In January I mean, against in the, the 49ers, yeah. Yeah, in each of the last two Januarys against the Niners, the Cowboys had the ball with the, you know a chance to go win the game. And their offense and Dak Prescott were unable to move the team. And their last year was the interceptions at the end of the first half and at the end of the game. Uh, but this is my encouraging conversation for Cowboys fans. Dak Prescott is playing his best football of his career right now. Fair. This looks to me. And the numbers are backing it up, but it just the, the eyeball E. Hogan test is that this is the best Dak's ever been. And this offense, remember, was tailored and built around him. You have to give credit where credit's due. They told us, you know, Mike McCarthy and Dak this offseason, we're moving on from Kellen Moore. Uh, we're going to build an offense that's more Dak-friendly. We're going to call it the Tex Coast offense or whatever they're calling it. And, you know, Dak's going to have a lot of say in what it is. Well, you know, we played the sound earlier this week of Aaron Rodgers saying he's really taken to watching Dak you know, play the position and run the offense. And, of course, he played with Mike McCarthy and won a Super Bowl with Mike McCarthy, so knows a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, the ideas that they're running. And he's playing at a high level. Does that mean they're going to win in January? You know, we'll see. Time will tell. But he is playing better than he's ever played. And C.D. Lamb is a monster. And Jake Ferguson's a really good player. And, you know, Michael Gallup is trash, but, you know, Brandon Cooks has turned into a good player, yep. which was a great trade for them to bring in Brandon Cooks. He's become that next guy. Uh, you know, Tony Pollard still looks like a sees a step slow, but he did score a touchdown last night. Uh, so, you know, and again, the, the stretch begins now. This is their first win over a winning team. But giving them a loss makes them a 500 football team. And we know Seattle is sinking right now. They've lost four out of five. I don't, and, and their schedule is very similar to a Cowboys schedule. Yeah, they, like, hadn't, they hadn't beaten anybody good. And, and so now – so the, the, it's still fair to say the Cowboys still haven't beaten a really good team because I don't think Seattle's really good. But no. that really that, – that average team – Team did score 35 points. And that team, because this was my – my concern is not Dak right now. My, my concern is, you know, their defense is really good against bad quarterbacks. But, you know, Jalen Hurts put up 28 on them. Uh, the Niners put up 42 on them. 
Um, you know, here comes, you know, Seattle, who hadn't scored but three touchdowns in their last four games coming in offensively, and they scored 35. I will say the defense did buckle down in the, in the big moments when they had to. Uh, I thought that some of that was some bad play calling by the Seahawks either way. Because how about this? The Seahawks admitting that they left Micah Parsons unblocked on the final play. What? How, like, how do you not locate 11? I, 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 like, I would but find But they him. did it on purpose. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> what what is the logic there? Fourth and two from midfield in a 41-35 game with 111 to go. You got 50 yards of field to go. They dropped back, decided to let Micah Parsons run free off the edge. The result was an incomplete pass. It was in the design, according to Geno Smith. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Free him up. Okay, there you go. You did it. Good job. So, and again, that was, that's how close. I mean, they're 50 yards out. They go down and score, kick an extra point. We're talking about Mike McCarthy and, you know, not taking points in game, game management and those kind of things. Instead, your defense gets a stop. You give – but I, that's not something Jalen Hurts is going to do, right? That's not something Brock Purdy and the Niners are going to do. Um, and that's, that's the challenge for the Cowboys now and Dak Prescott. Your next four weeks you're playing, you know, Jalen Hurts, all, all guys who have a chance to win the MVP, right? You know, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Tua, Jared Goff. I mean, all these guys are playing at a real high level. Uh, I can't wait for that. Detroit. I mean, all these games should be pretty high scoring and pretty entertaining, but uh, that'll tell the tale of the Cowboys' regular season and obviously, you know, Dak and the MVP and then what comes in January. So there's some good stuff. Cowboys uh, now can sit back and watch the weekend. They have an extra – they got that, like, mini bye week to get ready for the Philadelphia game. They can sit back and watch the Eagles play the Niners on Saturday on Sunday in uh, Philly. And I did see a lot with Philly yesterday. They're they're a little bit ticked off that they're a three-point underdog at home. That's uh, that, that that team does have a championship medal to it. That uh, you you start telling Jason uh, Jason Kelsey and Jalen Hurts and these guys that uh, they're dogs on their home field. We'll see. Can't wait for that game on Sunday afternoon at 325. All right, we come back. We'll play a round of Who Said That? Some great audio from around the uh, landscape. Also, of course, you know what's next after that is the fabulous fifth hour, which makes it the 25th hour of this week on this radio program, which uh, really tends to go haywire. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Could go haywire, Nick. No, we got a lot to talk about. I, no, I want to get into your uh, your college – your your middle school coaching prowess. <laughs> I want to get into why Ty has been banned from coaching in Waya. Uh, again, also some more crazy stories on a Friday. We'll get to those coming up on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby. 447-3776. Ooh, and this and that. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? All right, who said that time? Uh, we'll use this who said that to play some Sark sound because we want to talk some Texas football um, because the Longhorns are playing in the Big 12 title game tomorrow. So, Ty, have, have the uh, – we were Sark yesterday talking about uh, – and the opening statement at his uh, press availability. And this is pretty cool because Sark is paying attention to what's going on around him. Last night was a busy night on the 40 Acres. You had the Texas volleyball team playing uh, Texas A&M in tournament action. You had the Texas basketball team playing. Uh, Texas women will play UConn. Uh, here's how Sark opened his, his media availability to preview the Big 12 championship game. First of all, I just want to give a shout out to uh, some of the other sports uh, that that have have been just doing awesome stuff with Jared Elliott and our women's volleyball team and starting NCAs tonight. Fired up for them and trying to trying to go repeat as national champs. I know they've got a heck of a team and he's done a great job with them. So excited for them and excited for you know what 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 Rodney and Vic are doing with men's and women's basketball. They're both off to. Awesome starts, and uh, as you guys know, I love going to those games. So I'm looking forward to uh, watching them play here once, once, whenever we wrap up. So that's uh, I'm, I'm fired up for them, and that's the beauty of being at Texas. You know, 
uh, every sport goes and competes at the highest level and is compete for championships. And that's what we have an opportunity to do Saturday. You know, we've, we've put forth a lot of hard work and a lot of time and energy and effort. Uh, we've created a great uh, team and a great culture here and our players owe, uh, owe everything to them for the, for the, the energy that they've put into this thing. And, and Saturday now it, it's finally here. And so that's a, that's a, it's a great, it's a great thing for us. It's a great opportunity for our players and um, I just can't wait to, you know, to, to get to Arlington and to see our fans and the energy that they provide. And hopefully we, we provide our own energy for them as well. And it should be, uh, should make for a great game and a great environment. Yeah, it should. Tell our crowd. Um, you know, that's, I'm looking forward to getting up there. And remember, I'll be at uh, Terry Black's barbecue this afternoon with the crew from inside Texas. From uh, They're going to be on at 3 o'clock to 4, doing a live stream on their On Texas football channel and by the way your your podcast is going to start being featured there on that on texas channel is it not yes uh oh. sundays pending most sundays pending royale schedule with the rockets um so royale ivy who's one of your co-hosts on that show yeah we so rod and i do a lot of work with inside texas so we're partnering on this event at terry black's barbecue this afternoon uh three to four for there then they're going to hang jerry hamilton and bobby with me from about uh, four until they have to peel off. But uh, Patrick will be in the studio. Ty will be in the studio. And we'll be previewing the Big 12 championship game while eating some amazing barbecue and enjoying Deep Ellum in downtown Dallas. And then we'll, we'll cruise on over uh, on Saturday morning to Jay Gilligan's. Uh, I've, got, I've gotten a lot of texts from folks. Say, I'll see you at Jay Gilligan's tomorrow. Irish nachos. Irish nachos. They, they do have breakfast. Uh, I've gotten several texts from people uh, who said that I've gone to Cowboys games, always start at Jay Gilligan's. It's a winner. And listen, they've got, they've got a shuttle. And, uh, you know, Randy Ford, the owner there, said, you know, come on in. We'll, we'll have you fed. We get you, if you want to get over there by 8 o'clock, we we'll get you there by 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, because people are wondering what the schedule is. Go to the website of Jay Gilligan's, and they'll show you exactly how it works. But, you know, it's a bunch of young kids shuttling people to and from the stadium. And when the game's over, they'll bring you back, and you can eat. And then, as I said, I mean, it's, you don't have to mess with the parking lot, paying for the parking, and all that goes on with that. Jay Gilligan's is where I'll be um, here. Uh, so that's the, that is the plan. Um, so for, for for this, hey Ty, and who said that? Can I play this now? Can we play a little? I think you're gonna know who this is. You heard it a lot last night on the Amazon Prime Thursday night special. This is remember Peyton Manning had the Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. Uh, we now know Dak Prescott. We played this a couple times now, but it's always fun to hear Dak and his new cadence that he's going with. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Has become his Omaha. All right, so there you go, Dak Prescott with Omaha. Now, here's Dak after the game, and uh, we just talked about Dak Prescott, and this is not who said that. I'm telling you who said it. But the the question and then the answer, I think, pretty good with Dak uh, and the big Dak energy, as Rod and I like to call it. Here we go. A lot has been said about you over the certainly the last year, but for a while now. Not a lot of it positive for a long time. All of a sudden now you're in the MVP conversation. What is it like now to be in this spot and have – on some level silenced a lot of people. No difference when, when they're hating me and, and calling and calling calling for me to my position, honestly. I understand nobody's opinion defines me. And that's the great part about life and that's the great opportunity that we all have that people can say whatever they want. But but you know I have the pen, I have the paper, and I'm the one writing, so there you go, Dak. I'm I'm bringing it. Bringing the big Dak energy. He's and confident. Now, and you know, he's uh he's got he's with child. Hey, I'm going to say one thing on that, and, you know, whether you believe in – people out there believe in, like, uh, you know, what's the word going to be? But, you know, 
that kind of energy that, you know, the way things can lift people or remember Dak Prescott is, you know, he's, he's now father to child, right? Um, I don't want to get this to get too hokey, but you know, the, the, when I watch Dak and I hear Dak, I feel like I'm seeing a different person and a different player than we've seen before. You know, Dak's when, when Dak was in high school, his mother died of cancer. And you know, the thing that I, we talked about Dak when he got to Mississippi state, uh, I always found it amazing that he was a captain as a freshman voted by his teammates. Voted a captain by by so he was a fresh, he was a captain for four years uh, at in Starkville, and when he got to Dallas, I mean leadership and his intangibles, he was kind of like Sam Ellinger, right? His intangibles kind of outweighed what they thought of him as his throwing ability. But at Mississippi State, he he was, a, it was the Tim Tebow offense. It was a lot of running. Uh, he threw sometimes, but it was it was that Dan Mullen, Tim Tebow quarterback leg game, Sam Ellinger kind of thing, where throwing wasn't featured. So Dak had to work on that. that's why he dropped to the fourth round. But then, of course, remember his brother killed himself recently? You know, Dak's gone through some stuff. We know he's got the full leg tattoo going where he, you know, and now he's got a child. I don't know. I just, it kind of feels like a guy that, uh, I don't know, there's something, there's something new about the guy. I don't know what it is. I mean, having had three kids, it does change you. It does, especially I hadn't been through the, the traumas that he has in his life. Uh, you know, it does feel like there's something, something, uh, something pushing Dak a little bit more than we've seen before. Uh, and he's got a good perspective on most of this stuff. And whether I, – I, I'm not trying to build confidence for, for Ty or the Cowboys fans that he's going to get over the hump. It just feels like he's, he's growing as a person and a player. Yeah, I, I agree. Me. I think he – since the injury, it, it felt like there were points where – in the interceptions and those key moments that he's kind of, you know, backed down and been a little unsure of himself. But this season you see it differently. And I, and I think the, the moment I truly noticed it was when he ran last night, ran that – I forget where it was, and he ran kind of down towards about the 10-yard line as, as he was going out of bounds. Like the, the one of the Seahawks got in his face, and he got up and just flexed right in front of him, which, you know, that's a different Dak. Like there, there, there was a guy who wasn't always in it, uh, so, so sure of himself, and it, it does feel like he's pretty sure of himself now. And, and maybe I'm making the hokey part about the, the child and that, but, it, you know, it does – I mean, he, and he never talks about that stuff. I'm sure he does behind the scenes, but – you, know, you, know, you lose your brother, you lose your mom. Um, there's there's you know, mental issues going on in your family. That's tough. And um, well, now you've, you've found the, a person and you're going to have a child. And it, it just brings you, it grounds you and can bring perspective. And um, it, it, I just like the, I like the DAC energy right now. I think it's really good. Does that mean they're going to go, I have to get my walking shoes out? Am I walking <laughs> to Dallas? I still don't think they're better than the 49ers, big picture. I'm, you know, the Ravens, Chiefs, they got to win the Super Bowl. But uh, good to see him last night. Hey, this, uh, by the way, Drew Martin, who is the, the right hand to Drew, Chris Del Conte, uh, did have a tweet in the dispute on ABC. If you're DirecTV, AT&T, U-verse, uh, Drew has a tweet out saying that uh, you'll still be able to watch the game via ESPN3 and the ESPN app. Oh, good. So if that could be an alternative for you if you're looking for it, or you can go down to Best Buy and buy one of those antennas and all that kind of stuff. Uh, because if you are DirecTV or U-verse, you do not have – the local ABC affiliate right now. That's uh, Tegna that's in the dispute right now. So Golden Bachelor, Big 12 Championship game, Dancing with the Stars, you're kind of host. Really missing that Golden Bachelor. <laughs> we'll be back. Oh, boy. Final hour, the fabulous fifth hour is coming your way on Hook 'em Up. Nick Shuley hanging with us. Ty Henderson back at the studio. And you on 101.9 AM 1260. Stream it on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.